Hi, this is Matt from Working Fintech, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Felicia Merowitz-Singh, who's a fintech and wealth tech entrepreneur. She is founder and CEO of Oconi, where she successfully exited, and she's currently MD of FNZ, which is a top 100 wealth tech company. Hi, Felicia. Hi, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely welcome. So, so let's jump straight in, in terms of your story and your background, because there's lots of interesting companies that you've been involved with and set up over the years. Can you just talk through that to start off? Yeah, so my background originally was I'm from South Africa, and I had a very corporate background. I'm uh, conventionally trained as a chartered accountant and a management consultant, so I do have a background in information systems. And then that, in turn, led me to coming to London, and my entrepreneurial journey started, where uh, originally I was with a team, and we built, a, we left a big corporate, started our own firm in the Lloyd's market and sold that, that was sold to Willis. And I tried a few other ventures um, and before actually setting up a Coney. So I can say that uh, I learned a lot of lessons along the way and continue, continue to learn those and apply them to life uh, in general. Uh, and uh, I love the entrepreneurial, high growth financial services, fintechs, well tech market. I think it's experiencing an incredible amount of change. And we're really seeing that um, servicing clients and providing solutions to client needs is what's driving that kind of change. And being able to apply the technology and innovation is just an amazing, amazing opportunity being in the market. So you mentioned Lloyd's. I've been into Lloyd's and, and have a friend who's an insurance broker. There's not yeah. many women in that market. How, how, no. how, how, how was that at the time? So what's quite interesting is when I was there, it was in a very corporate role. And actually, I was one of the very few senior women and young as well. So at the time, I didn't, I didn't really think about it. It took me becoming a startup founder to really notice the difference uh, in terms of senior women. Because suddenly, I was the CEO founder of a fintech and had to go out there, be fundraising, be speaking to all our clients and partners like banks. And that became a challenge with certain things where I was like, well, this seems strange. And you had experiences, which I think in a way only women face, not, not ever only women, but women or minorities and quite subtle differences in the market. And so it really made me reflect back on my time when you know, we were Lloyd's underwriter and, and Lloyd's broker and wonder why I hadn't noticed it at that point. And I think there's something about the corporate world that to a certain effect sort of buffers you or protects you from, you know, certain types of harsh realities, perhaps. And whereas when you become a founder, you, you just have to face them and deal with them. Uh, and interestingly enough, relating to diversity, as a result of that, myself and another female founder, Andrea, we set up a, an organization, a members organization called Hive Founders to support early stage female founders. And that was to solve this kind of problem that, you know, lots of people face these issues. And when you look at the statistics, they are appalling in terms of funding that goes to female founders. And what we want to do is contribute to the solution. 
and be part of that. And now we have more than 300 members and so on. So there's a lot of challenges, but also opportunities in the sector. And how how early are we in the life cycle of people being more open and welcoming and things being more diverse? Mm. Are we still a generation away or is it happening a quick Yeah, rate? I mean, I think um, the World Bank gives some sort of crazy statistics that if change happens in terms of, you know, gender equality in commerce, it will be, you know, another 100 years. Really? Before we get there. And COVID actually was a big setback because usually, not always, but usually women are in caretaking roles in addition to working roles. And during COVID, obviously, those responsibilities were ramped up if you had children at home or were taking care of elderly relatives and so on. And that impacted the, you know, the gender agenda, as it's called, and the progress. So, I think there's a lot of statistics about it and um, a lot of media attention. But in fact, overall, we haven't seen much progress over the last few years. And I, I personally believe that we need some sort of policy level intervention because it's, this is not an issue of men versus women. This is a societal issue. And when you get something that's as complex as that starts, you know, at childhood and there's markers during education and during early career and progress through your professional life, when it's that complex, we we need some sort of government intervention saying these are the markers. This is where we're seeking to change society. Uh, on the good news side, the UK obviously is one of the leaders in terms of promoting gender equality and everything that that entails. So we're in we're in the right market for that, uh, but we, we need to apply it as broadly as possible. No, I agree. It needs to be a government policy because um, child care in the UK is amongst the highest in the world, right? So then so, oh. so then the decision, if you want to have lots of kids, uh, yeah, someone's got to look after them because it's too expensive to pay someone to do it. Um, well, that's why I have one kid. <laughs> me too, me too. Um, so yeah. so, so talk, talk, talking about that, um, Firstly, if you can just explain what wealth tech is, but but on that point of yes. having a child, you know, you've got a child, not a nine-year-old, I think you said, yes. and you've start start up started up multiple companies. You've had a successful yes. company where you've been bought out. So how how have you kind of managed all of that as well? And you know, I think when we were talking cool. earlier, there's a lot of yeah. energy there, which which obviously helps. Yeah. But if but if you could kind of talk about that, but just before we jump into Aconi and, and what you did with that company, yes. just just explain to people what is WealthTech? Where where does it sit sure. and what is it? So, so WellTech is part of FinTech, you know, and, and obviously FinTech is new technology to automate, innovate, improve the lives of clients who use financial services. And it touches all of our lives. You, you know, if, if you are going onto an investment app and suddenly you're able to do it on your phone, whereas historically, if you think back in the day, you'd have to call up a stockbroker, you wouldn't be able to access market data freely. Now, all of that has completely changed and it's really democratized that for clients. So everyone should have access and, uh, you know, opening up wealth and <clears throat> retail investment is something that uh, wealth tech provides because sometimes you hear the word wealth tech and people think, oh, it's for people who are wealthy <laughs> and it's not. It's for anyone who is slowly growing their assets. And that applies to almost everyone of working age in the UK 
because we all get usually auto-enrolled into a pension. So even if you're only contributing £100 a month, you actually have a wealth tech, a pot of, you know, not wealth tech, a pot of wealth, which is using technology to grow that. So there's a whole range of solutions, obviously, within wealth tech, within um, in investment and, and the market, whether it's transacting and delivering, you know, a new share that you want to acquire or giving you access to IPOs, which historically only institutions had access to, or providing very large, complex platforms, which are simple for clients to use for, um, you know, very large players in the market, you know, names that we recognize all the big investment platforms and so on. So it's quite, quite wide ranging. And obviously for the younger generation who are very into crypto and NFTs, that is tangentially associated with Weltech because the crypto market has managed to reach that younger generation in a way that perhaps traditional investment markets have, haven't. And that could be, you know, the language that is spoken or the type of risk that associated with them and so on. And um, all of that is changing rapidly, which means that technology has got to keep up to be able to provide those solutions that the end client wants. Fantastic. That's a good description of, of WealthTech. Um, and you talked to us about Oconee and, and what is it? Where did the idea come from? Um, okay. there was a, a, you, know, you you've been successful at the other end and, and, and have, have exited um, that company as well. Can you talk through that journey for people? Because there's lots of yeah. people always say they want to start up their own businesses, but there's a, there's there's a lot more than you need than that to actually do yes. it. Because if you can just so, share some of your insights. Yeah. So the first thing is I highly recommend if anyone wants to start their business, I always just say go for it. Be aware you need to have tenacity and grit. Grit is my favorite word because it's a combination of determination, perseverance, never giving up. So that's the first thing. And uh, I'm always happy for anyone to reach out who's looking at starting a business and just wants a chat. So that's the first thing. Go for it. Um, <clears throat> the second is um, my, um, when, when I started Oconee, like I had a problem previously. I used to be a CFO of a very large corporate. We managed a lot of cash and there just weren't any solutions, you know, unless I went to my bank and, um, and they said we weren't big enough because you know, we, we weren't like a global multinational. So we didn't qualify for any of their corporate treasury functions. And they were in this weird sweet spot where we were too big to do nothing, but too small to get any access to services. And also for myself personally, as a saver, I just found it very hard to move money between banks and deposits. And I'd worked in the market for a long time and um, been part of creating panels with insurers. So I knew we could create that kind of panel and we obviously needed to build the technology and open banking came along. So there were certain aspects of data that became streamlined. And the purpose is really simple, creating cash as a third party asset, almost cash as a service. So a client could maximize returns on cash per their risk profile and move it around with only one point of access. You don't have to go and open 10 accounts with 10 different banks. You came and opened one account with a MaFintech, which is a regulated company. And then we would prompt you as and when to move your funds around. So it came from a pain point that I had. 
And then it became more sophisticated as we developed the proposition out into the market with the aim of actually selling a full API-first solution to investment platforms for their clients. So we didn't have to build endless distribution, partnering with uh, wealth managers and financial advisors and so on. And uh, I'd say fintechs, if you are being regulated, can be very complex. So if you are want to set up a startup, that's fantastic. If you want to move into a space where you as a company have to be regulated, you need the right team around you to understand that, whether that is getting a compliance officer or the right board members or investors that, you know, fit your vision and so on, uh, because you have a responsibility to consumers or to other clients who themselves may be regulated. And that responsibility extends far beyond, say, a company that's, you know, a startup that may be selling a product or a service that isn't regulated. And you know, I think it's very key to understand that there are governance and structures and frameworks around any most things in fintech or wealth tech or insure tech, which if you knew uh, as an entrepreneur, you might you might be quite shocked by. But they're all there for the purpose of protecting uh, our consumers and, you know, to keep that in mind. Uh, so, yeah, I went through the journey. Um, you know, we raised money from angels and uh, one institution. And, and then it was acquired actually quite early on, still when it was seed stage, uh, by another larger fintech, insurtech company that was looking for the kind of services and solutions that we provided. And it's just a very exciting journey. And what I can say to companies is you have to understand what, first of all, your client and their pain points, and then develop the solution, build your market, build your fundraising, what you need, and so on. And each one of those is its own business plan. And you have to put resources and time into it. And it's, it's something which actually we've held quite a few discussions at, I mentioned, high founders to help founders plan that journey and so on. Uh, and, you know, we could have a few talks just on those topics. We'll, we'll take you up on that. <laughs> we yeah. can do something with, with working fintech. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and going back to the, what we were talking about, about juggling lots of different responsibilities yes. in your work life and your personal life, how how have you maintained that balance and, and, and used everything to, to, to help feed yeah. everything else? So I know people talk about work-life balance and all of that. And I, I personally, certainly when I was a startup founder, and I'm not even sure now, I don't really believe in it the way – people talk about it. I think the best from my perspective that I could hope for and most founders or most high energy entrepreneurs um, and even high energy, you know, corporate people um, is periods of time where one is more than the other. So as opposed to, you know, on a daily basis, have overall balance. Uh, I had to juggle a lot when my daughter was young. And, you know, we previously spoke about how expensive childcare is. So that is a major challenge to me for a society like the UK. If we want to encourage entrepreneurs, um, we have to make that playing field a little bit more level. Because if you have no access to either family who are there available for childcare or 
a lot of money to pay for childcare, then inevitably it primarily lands up being the woman who sort of sits at home and 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 doesn't use their talent or their experience or their energy to actually drive some sort of entrepreneurial venture. So that for me is one thing, is that being able to acknowledge the reality of childcare and have a solution to it if that's, you know, something, you know, an entrepreneurial venture that someone wants to start, that's the first thing, or whatever carer obligations uh, someone has. And and also acknowledge that you have to, there's sacrifices that have to be made. There's, I feel that there, there's almost no chance you can build a high growth business. I'm not talking about, you know, business, a small business, you run from home and it's just one person selling photo frames on Etsy. I'm talking about you want to grow a high growth business where you need to pump resources in, you'd be out there seeing clients, driving your growth, managing a whole bunch of complex resources, fundraising and so on. <clears throat> you, you know, it is a serious commitment and you have to be very focused on that. So there are times when you have to just say, uh, you know, I can't do both. I can't have both. And in many cases, not have a holiday, sometimes for a few years. You can go away, but you aren't going to switch off. <laughs> so <clears throat> I think um, I, um, in terms of overall mental health and balance, the things that I think are very helpful are exercise, any form of exercise that works for someone, whether it's a walk, a jog, a run, um, whatever it is, meditation or yoga, whatever works, if, if that resonates with someone, it doesn't work for everyone, and having a support structure of some sort. If you don't have family around, like, you know, I don't, I'm not from the UK, so I don't have family, but we've almost created our own family through our support structure, and I was very fortunate in, in that respect, during that period of time, I think a, f a few of my very close friends could see it was not an easy process for me. And <clears throat> they provided help where needed. And, um, and that made a, made a huge difference to me. If you are disciplined enough to switch off on holidays and weekends, then I would say that's another tool in the toolbox. And then the last one for me is being surrounded just by a fantastic team. That makes a huge difference if you are starting up a business because then when you need support within the business, you've got people that you can rely on and depend on and and having some way where you, you like can early identify people it's not working out with or maybe are toxic, whatever the case may be, and you know you go your separate ways kind of thing because that will also put stress and strain and you want to be able to remove that to keep your eye on the goal and have your whole startup pointing in the direction, one direction of growth, not sort of trying to, I'm going this way and you're going that way and so on. And, and, I, and I think the, in addition to that kind of that support network, just through, say, doing this podcast series, I've spoken to lots of amazing people and through working fintech and, you know, I push Paul and the other things I'm involved in, you keep yeah. your, your network kind of keeps growing and keeps going up a level yes. as well. And then you feed off that energy and it's that old adage of, you know, you're, you're the combination of all the average of the five people you hang around with, but you can pick and choose who those five people are. 
and it's really important yes. like they can you know if there is someone toxic that's in your life you need to you need to deal with it in whichever way you can because yeah you, you can't have anything holding you back and sapping out that energy that you need to be pumping it into your to your business and your yeah. family and, and and everything else yeah um, and, and on what you're saying just to echo that is essentially it's like an ecosystem and especially in fintech, wealth tech, where things are changing so fast, there's not one person that has all the answers. We're not in a mature sector that you can say, oh, you know, 50 years ago we did it like this, and this guy he knows or she knows. Um, so that ecosystem that you're referring to, I think it's, it's, it's worth adding as the fifth point of support, uh, where it could be finding mentors, could be finding equals who you can discuss things with informally. Sometimes it's finding a network that works. You know, and also like this example you're saying, growing that. Yeah, brilliant. Um, in terms of, I suppose, going back to when you were early in your career or when you first came over and to, to the UK, yeah. is there any advice you would kind of give to mm. yourself then and, and more broadly to young people who are who might be studying or they've started their careers but they see fintech and wealth tech and crypto and all these fast moving industries and want to get involved but not too sure where to start have you got any advice for for people in those positions yeah yeah so i think first thing is identify whether you want to go into a company or whether you want to start your own um, and there's nothing wrong with saying, oh, I want to start my own, not sure what I want to do. So let me go in and learn at, I would recommend then going in at a slightly later stage um, fintech where you can learn the ropes across a number of divisions because business has got multiple functions to it. So fintech, people think, oh, I need to be an expert in tech and fi finance. And actually, you don't need to be an expert in either of those because there's marketing roles in a fintech. And you can come in as a recent grad or even during your studies and you can learn, well, what do fintechs do in terms of marketing? And even within marketing, you could be a direct company like Starling or Revolut or you could be a B2B or an enterprise company like an FNZ. So, again, there are different roles within that. And um, you, you'll learn as you go about the sector and about the role. So you, you get both of that type of experience. Um, you know, personally, I think that fintech and financial services are one of the most fantastic industries to be part of. And people who feel a bit mystified or concerned or even, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to go into finance. It could be boring or it could be confusing. Actually, once you're in the sector, you learn so quickly uh, and London is for sure one of the global leaders in terms of fintech. So you're in the right place to learn even more and be well positioned for growth. Uh, and, you know, we spoke about marketing, but the, the same is true for HR. If you the same is true for technology, you might be a developer, but actually, you know, you, coming into financial services, you then learn and become that industry and sector expert to develop in fintech or on regulated products or whatever so it's a wide range of opportunities and you, you don't have to be in finance or in tech to deliver on them and be part of it so yeah and and also the other thing i recommend is if you're a student and you got a business idea just do it i mean you know if it's if it's going to the only thing it's going to do is cost you time and you have time because you're young you maybe don't have kids yet 
take the risk, take the step, be brave. I, I really, I just think we've got a new generation of entrepreneurs and we've seen that, especially during COVID, people have stepped up their entrepreneurial ventures and so on and just get out there and do it. No, absolutely. I echo okay, that 100%. That, that thing of risk and reward, you can take yes. the most risk at the start of your career because all the doors are open to you. And, they, and all the doors yeah. will always remain open to you, but it's just a slightly harder when you start going down one path. But at the beginning, you can choose yeah. anything that you want. You don't have all of the responsibilities that come as you, you know, you might get a mortgage and then you might have some children and then your, your, your focus can, can, can um, change depending on your responsibilities. But yeah. yes, to kind of take that risk when, when you can, and you can always take the risks yeah. if they're calculated, but more so at the beginning of your career. But then, can you just talk about the, the risk and rewards? Because there's the risk and then there's the reward, right? And, that, and that's yeah. something that with people who are looking at traditional finance, traditional finance is, you know, it's been around for, what, 600 years or longer. You know, banks have been around for that long. You've got an industry that is growing at, you know, 5% a year or something very mediocre, but then you've got fintech, which is growing like 10x every single year, you know, and yeah. and what we say to what working fintech says to people in our kind of community is, you know, attach yourself to the right sector, you know, fintech and Web3. That's the sector you want to be in. And then you can work out from there, you know, after you dip your toe in which company you like, which role you like, just but just yeah. get in there somewhere. Um, and, and if you attach yourself to a fast growing company, your your the knowledge you're going to learn, um, the your earning potential as well, being attached to those fast growing companies is going to take you in a, in a very different trajectory than if you just go and work at a bank. Um, and, and working at banks, trying to get on a grad program is very, very competitive, whereas Fintech's got this massive, you know, opportunity out there and they're just dying for people to, to come and work for them. They're recruiting like crazy. But that, that kind of risk and reward piece is something which I'm always, you know, trying to pass that on. So it'd be good if you could elaborate on that as well. Yeah. Um, so, again, I think it's also about someone knowing themselves. Sometimes you, you fit, your personality fits within a bank and that's also fine. Um but within fintech, you, there's an opportunity also for much faster growth. So even if you're going into a larger fintech, the likelihood is if you're in early enough that you will rapidly, you know, transition through the ranks because the company is growing as you are growing. And you kind of do that time early on, which is like seriously hard work as the business is building up. And so, you know, then you are much more senior than you would be if you had just gone into a banking program. And that in itself is extremely rewarding, you know, seeing what you've built and what you've been part of and, and all of that. Uh, in addition, in, in some fintechs, you know, the salaries may be competitive with banks, depending on the role, uh, and you get equity, which then could take it in an entirely different direction when the fintech lists or sells or to another corporate or whatever the case may be. And, 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 and as well, not to sugarcoat it, it's, it's hard work working in startups. It's, it's very demanding, but it is very rewarding. And, and, you, and you end up loving it because you really enjoy what you're doing and you can feel yeah. the synapses in your brain firing all the yes. time. And, and the energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's, and there's always new problems and new challenges and it's, and it's, yes. and it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so we'll, we'll just finish off with probably you know, one, one last question. Um, 
what would you say is a good mindset for young people to have who are who are coming into either the industry or, or, or looking to um or looking to dip their toe in what's a good mindset to have to succeed in this industry i'd say be open and persevere so be open to opportunities work hard you know stay determined and to persevere so whenever you know because there will be frustrations there is no role where you're not faced with challenges and just persevering through that will actually bring a huge amount of rewards in both your learning the financial progress you make as your career develops and so on but you have to be very open-minded and be prepared to put in that hard work fantastic felicia merit singh thank you so much for joining us today it's been really really interesting if anyone wants to reach out where's the best place to find you maybe drop me a note on linkedin Fantastic. I think uh, Twitter as well. I'm Felicia, at Felicia TEDx. So one of those two is probably the easiest. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks, Matt.